Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Julia Drake about her debut young adult novel, The Last True Poets of the Sea, due out on October 1st from Disney Hyperion which is sponsoring this podcast. Julia Drake earned her MFA in creative writing from Columbia University, where she also taught writing to first-year students. She currently works as a book coach for aspiring writers and teaches creative writing classes at Writopia, a nonprofit that fosters a love of writing and young adults. Loosely inspired by Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, her debut novel, The Last True Poets of the Sea, is set in motion when 16-year-old party girl Violet is sent to stay with her uncle in the small town of Lyric, Maine for the summer, after her brother's suicide attempt. Searching for clarity in the very town that her ancestors founded, Violet sets out to learn all she can about her family's past, beginning with the shipwreck that brought her great-great-great-grandmother to Lyric. Thank you for speaking with me, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. To set the scene, I saw in your bio that you played some of Shakespeare's heroines in your high school theater program. Is that how you first encountered Twelfth Night? It is. Yes, it is indeed how I first encountered Twelfth Night. So I was lucky enough. I went to an amazing school that had an even more amazing theater program. And so when I was 16, I was cast as Viola in Twelfth Night. And so that was my first exposure to the play was getting to play this unbelievably warm and witty heroine. And every night backstage, a friend would dump a bucket of water on me. So I appeared shipwrecked on the first scene. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it always just really stuck with me. That's true method acting. (laughs) It was, it was. It was a little cold, but it was worth it. How did you come to develop the world and characters of The Last True Poets? Um, yeah, so I think setting was always really important for me. I knew I wanted to work with Twelfth Night and part of the magic of that play for me has always been this kind of, they're in this seaside town called Illyria. You don't really know where they are. And I had this thought that I could turn Illyria into a place called Lyric and I really pulled from my childhood experiences visiting my grandmother in Maine. So my dad grew up in Maine and we would go up there over the summers and, you know, frolic on the shoreline and eat lobster rolls and do kind of idyllic touristy things. And that was really where I pulled a lot of the atmosphere and feel for the setting of the book. And is this the first full length novel you'd written? Yes, it is. I had done mostly short stories or entirely short stories up until this point. What was your journey to finding your agent and editor? It was pretty traditional. Um, I had worked on this book for about four, four, no, I guess I had worked on it for about three years by the time I started querying. And just like everybody else, you know, I kind of used the internet as a resource for figuring out how do I write a query letter. And I then looked at books that I really admired. I looked to see who their agents had been and queried that way. And um, I found Pete Knapp, 
who represents my book. And I worked on the book for about a year before it went on submission. Um, and then I was lucky enough to, yeah, be offered to, for that Disney Hyperion made an offer for the book. And I work with the amazing Laura Shriver over there. And how much of a role did she play in, in really revising and editing the novel once it landed on her desk? So she is a genius. I was astonished um, by her insight into this book. And she really was able to just see what I wanted the book to be. And she really, really helped me bring it there. So we did a lot of work on the book, though I would say it was more in terms of taking what was already there and thickening the plot, making things more complicated, making things a little thornier, which I loved about working with her was that she was never, she would never say something like, okay, I think we need to like make this easier. She was always interested in pushing the direction, pushing the characters in a more complicated, difficult direction. Um, And I think the book is a lot better for it. It feels so much more fully realized to me than when I first started. Grief and mental illness are important themes in the novel, tying together characters past and present. I'm wondering, how does the literal shipwreck of Violet's great-great-great-grandmother connect to her own mental state when she arrives in Lyric for the summer? Yeah, that's a great question. And when you say it like that, it seems like sort of a very obvious metaphor. It's like she's a wreck, both, you know, she's inherited this wreck literally and figuratively, um, she's in a really, really bad place. But I had no idea that the wreck was such a convenient metaphor for kind of mental illness and her troubled state at the beginning of the book. In fact, it was Laura, my editor, who explained it to me. And I kind of went, oh, aha, yes, I have outfoxed myself um, with this beautiful metaphor. So once I had that in mind, I was able to sort of play a lot with this idea of inheritance and the stories that we tell, um, because not only is it a shipwreck, but it's also a story that's passed down over generations throughout her family and the way that, you know, this story gets told, uh, her parents sort of interpret her grandmother's survival from the shipwreck as this extremely incredible moment of heroism. And it's much more complicated than that. Violet at one point discovers a letter um, from her great-great-grandmother that reveals the everyday struggle that she felt in surviving. And that was something that I was able to play around with once I sort of realized that the metaphor was there. The title, The Last True Poets of the Sea, is very evocative of the characters' treasure hunting and truth gathering. Can you talk about its origins and significance? Sure, yes. Um, So that line is a line that I read uh, in Jacques Cousteau's Diving for Sunken Treasure, which is a book that's very important to the character Sam um, in my book. And so I was reading it as research, and it is just such a great turn of phrase. And the way Cousteau talks about it, he talks about it, you know, literally diving for sunken treasure. And, you know, it's basically the way that he refers to people for whom the the journey is more important than whatever treasure you may or may not find. And... You know, I wouldn't say it's a particularly new idea, but I think for these characters, it's something that really, really, they kind of had this epiphany that it, it really applies to them and to their lives and the way that they can take things one day at a time. 
For all its emotional depth, the book has real moments of humor and plenty of fish puns. <laughs> How did you go about striking that balance? That, you know, I'm so happy to hear you say that because that was really, really important to me. Um, from the get-go, I wanted this book to be a fun read. I wanted it to be silly, and I was writing it as kind of a reaction to my time in graduate school, which, you know, is not a cakewalk. So I was really trying as much as possible to make it kind of a silly romp full of fish puns, which I owe great credit to my brother-in-law for helping me come up with those. But I would send drafts of it to my sister and I would say, isn't it funny? And she would say, no, it's really sad. And so actually, it seems like I would have had to go back in and like add layers of levity to it. But what I really wound up having to do was honor a lot of the gravitas that had sneaked its way into the book. It seems almost to mirror the way that Shakespeare plays with genre, tragedy and comedy in his own work. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think if you go back to your original question about Twelfth Night, I mean, that play is, I think one of the reasons I love that play is because it does really strike this balance between hilarious kind of farcical slapstick comedy. And then also it's a very dark play in moments. Um, there's a really terrible plot line where they drive Malvolio, a character insane. There's, you know, Viola at the beginning is dealing with this kind of irreparable loss. She's in a completely new place, but all of that is kind of balanced and tempered by these moments of just really funny, silly uh, comedy jokes, songs. So I really was trying to, I think, echo that. Much of the tension and electricity in the book hinges on the love triangle between the heroine Violet, Orion, and Liv. In what ways were you inspired by the original Elizabethan drama, and in what ways then did you decide to depart from that? Yeah, um, that was definitely my starting place, was thinking about that central love triangle from Twelfth Night, and in particular thinking about the scenes between Olivia and Viola, which just crackle with heat and chemistry. These characters are so well matched for each other. But of course, it's Shakespeare. So Viola winds up with the Duke Orsino, who is okay. He's, you know, he's kind of a dud. But that's just how it how it happens, because it's Shakespeare, of course. Um, it's a traditional marriage plot. So I really thought that Viola and Olivia would be more well suited and matched for each other. And so I really wanted to explore that relationship in my book. But as I started writing, I was also very careful not to make Orion a villain. I didn't want him to be, um, I wanted his role in the, in the story to be important. And I wanted him to be more than a dud. I wanted him to be kind of a sweet, lovable golden retriever type boy. And I hope that I rounded out the love triangle so that it's as much about the friendship that emerges between Viola and Orion as it is about, or excuse me, Violet and Orion as it is about the love that emerges between Liv and Violet. Violet herself is a talented performer, aware of the power of gathering the audience and holding their attention. 
Have you found that your own background in theater, those high school days of performing, have um, informed your approach to storytelling? Yes, I absolutely think so. I mean, I think what I'm most interested in when I sit down to write is voice and setting. And I think both of these things, in particularly in theater, are, are things that you think about right off the bat. Um, you know, you think about the literal stage that the show is being performed on. Where is it being performed? What does the set look like? And then what do these characters sound like? And I think both those things, I was exposed to them at an extremely early age, and they're the two things that have carried over um, most strongly to my writing. In addition to your work as an author, you're also a writing coach. Can you tell us about your work with young writers through Writopia? Yes. Um, so Writopia Lab is a wonderful nonprofit organization, um, and they conceive of themselves as a, a third place. So it's neither school nor home, and it is just a place where you come and you get to write. And you can play games, you can work on whatever stories you want. And I have just been having the best time working with young writers. And I know it's a cliche to say that your students teach you so much, but I have really found it to be true in my experience, particularly because for them, these students are so stretched thin, you know, they're doing a million other, you know, they have homework, they have piano lessons, they have dance lessons. And for them, it is just such a treat to have this hour a week where they get to shut off and just focus on their work and they come in just ready to write. And I really try to embody that in my own writing practice, which is difficult because for me, it's a, it's a real life job, but I really try to take that spirit, um, that I see them, that I see them write with every day and apply it to my own writing. As a debut author, what has been the most meaningful or memorable part of the publishing experience so far? Mm, that is a great question. Um, you know, I have really loved getting to meet um, the independent booksellers who have been so supportive of this book, from writing blurbs to talking to me about it at conferences to sharing it to other booksellers. And I have just been so grateful for their support and um, for the enthusiasm that they've shown for this book, it's really been, you know, it's scary to put your book out in the world and hope that people respond well to it. And it has just been so nice to meet these people and hear that they're loving the story. Are you working on any new projects at the moment? I am. Yeah, I'm working on another young adult contemporary novel um, that I can't tell you much about, but I am writing away and it is not a sequel or a continuation in any way of The Last True Poets of the Sea. It's going to be something completely different. Congratulations on the debut, and thank you so much for speaking with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Once again, I've been speaking with Julia Drake about her debut YA novel, The Last True Poets of the Sea, due from Disney Hyperion on October 1st. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.